Hi, my name is Benala Sarami. I'm the host to the Pharmacogenomics for Pharmacists podcast on one of the largest pharmacy podcast network. When I was a student in pharmacy school, I was doing research with Washington University, going to people's homes that are age over 65 who are homebound, looking at all their medications. And I realized all these patients are on the same medications, but they have different side effects or advantages to them. So when I stumbled upon pharmacogenomics, I realized that was the missing piece of why everyone was acting different with the medication. It's all the genetic. So I'm a pharmacogenomics coach and I'm also a medical science liaison for a pharmacogenomics company. I create content on pharmacogenomics, educating providers and sales rep to provide more information on the value of pharmacogenomics and implementation of that piece. If you're looking for a pharmacogenomics coach, I can be reached on LinkedIn and also to listen on PGX for Pharmacists podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the social media platforms as well. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast with Dr. Christina Madison. Dr. Madison's mission is focused on spreading knowledge about public health to create better communities. The Public Health Pharmacist is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, now part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Today, I have another extraordinary guest, Dr. Hillary Blackburn. And I am just thrilled to have her on the podcast, especially because I was fortunate enough to be a guest on her podcast. And I've just been um, so happy to see her journey in the last, oh goodness, probably about a year now since I've been on your podcast and all of the amazing work that you've been doing in um, pharmacy and then just women leadership in pharmacy. So uh, Dr. Blackburn, tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, just kind of a short introduction before we get into some questions. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Christina. Um, yes, I and I just wanted to to thank you for all the work that you've done, especially this past year um, with the pandemic uh, and you know COVID nineteen, because public health has been um, front and foremost. So getting the education out there has been incredibly important. So um, great work that you've been doing. So I'm excited to to be on with you today. And you know, as I as you mentioned, my name is uh, Hillary Blackburn, and I am the director of pharmaceutical services at Dispensary of Hope, which is a charitable medication distributor in Nashville, Tennessee. And what that means is we get medicine donated from pharmaceutical companies and distribute that medicine across the country to pharmacies, clinics, hospitals for their low-income uninsured patients. So I've been there for the past five plus years. And um, this year, 2021, I'll have uh, hosted and uh, founded uh, four years ago the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. And I've interviewed over 180 pharmacy leaders from across the country uh, to share 
um, their success stories and um, help to um, just highlight the great work that that some of these pharmacy leaders are doing. Um, and so that really kind of those conversations and getting to meet with people across the country um, really continue to inspire me um, and help to, um, you know, really turn on that passion for women in pharmacy leadership. So. Well, thank you so much for joining me again today, Hillary. And, and I think you're being a bit modest. You wear many hats. Those are kind of the big ones, but I think um, you are so much of a champion um, for the profession and, and ultimately for women leadership. And so um, I did want to just ask you a little bit about um, your recent book that you just um, published um, uh, in honor of American Pharmacist Month last year, which was pretty fantastic. Um, so what was kind of your thought process behind writing a book? Because obviously, uh, you know, we do have a lot of pharmacists that, you know, listen to the podcast, but I think we have, um, you know, other healthcare professionals that listen and, and may want to, you know, think about, you know, why or what um, would, you know, motivate someone to write a book and, and why they think that that would be something that would be beneficial for their career development and ultimately to get their message out, right? Because there's so many ways we can get our message out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, I was, was again, inspired by, um, some of our pharmacist colleagues and was talking with a uh, fellow podcaster, Tony Guerra, who has several audiobooks out. And this was at APHA annual meeting 2019. So spring 2019. And, um, you know, I was like, man, I want to write a book too. And, like, oh yeah, just record, pull some of your podcasts together. And, you know, the audio book, I'm a very, um, I like to kind of write things down and, and think about it. And so doing it is just purely audio, um, sounded a little bit intimidating to me, but, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to, to pull in some of the females, um, that I'd been able to connect with and share their stories. Um, you know, really the podcast was started kind of from the idea of, you know, back in pharmacy school, we would have pharmacists come in with different career paths and things, uh, for like the Dean's hour. And you're like, Oh yeah, the, the public health service or, Oh, you know, being a medical science liaison or, Oh, they work for, um, you know, this, uh, hospital doing compounding or, you know, whatever the interesting thing that someone was doing. And, um, and so I've gotten to meet, to meet so many different people, but, um, you know, putting all their stories together, um, especially women, cause you know, as you start to kind of, uh, dig in a little bit, you know, there is a severe shortage of female leaders in healthcare. You know, there's a, there females make up the majority of the healthcare professions. You've got, you know, the majority of nurses are women, majority of pharmacists now are women. 
Um, but you find that women are often not making it to that senior leadership level. And there are a multitude of factors um, for that. And some of them are, you know, personal choices or personal biases. And then some can be, you know, other challenges that, um, you know, we don't really have a good pipeline or we're, you know, like maybe men are, um, more easily promotable, or, you know, maybe women aren't, you know, raising their hand. Yes. Um, or, you know, you're taking time out cause you're, you want to have a family and just take a little bit of a, a setback. And so I love how some, you know, people have said, Oh, well, you know, you, you may take a, a side or, you know, like you're, you're not, you don't, your career path doesn't have to look like an uphill climb, like just a straight climb. It can take some paths and twists and turns. Um, so anyway, I just gathered some of the women, um, that had, you know, that were entrepreneurs that, um, were senior level, like CEOs or, or, uh, senior vice presidents or, you know, uh, medical science liaisons or just had different career paths and had, have, you know, exemplified that leadership and, um, you know, shared some of my own journey, uh, throughout the way as well. So, you know, I talked about why we need female leaders. Um, what are some of the challenges? Uh, what are some of the types of, of leadership styles, um, and then, you know, some of my, um, favorite leadership tips that, you know, like I've picked up throughout, um, you know, my experience. And then, um, also another thing that, that timing wise. So when I had that conversation with Tony back in March of 2019, I ended up going back and getting my MBA, um, maybe a month or two afterwards. So, um, until the end of 2019, I was pursuing, yeah, I was pursuing my MBA. And so that training, um, really was like a great foundation, um, for 2020 when I was like putting this book together. Um, you know, I just found out that I was pregnant with my first baby. And so as I was nesting, you know, um, and you know, it was the pandemic, it was just the perfect time to, you know, get those thoughts down and put together a book. Um, and I really had a, a deadline because, you know, this baby was coming, um, middle of August. And so, um, I spent most of, you know, early 2020 working on the book and released it in October of 2020. Incredible. And, uh, for our listeners, um, just so that they can potentially go check it out themselves. And I'll also add this to the show notes as well. Um, what's the title? It's a very, very lovely title. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Of course. It's called How Pharmacists Lead Answers from Women Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy. And it is available on Amazon. Fantastic. And I have a copy. Um, and I will attest that there are so many things that I learned um, from some of the amazing women that you included that I had no idea about. Like, and you know, I'm still learning and still growing, um, as, a you know, as a pharmacist and, and really as someone who is, you know, kind of taking on this entrepreneurship journey and sort of seeing where that takes me. Um, it's, it's funny to say this now, but I, 
I guess I can kind of call myself mid-career. Um, it's funny, you know, when you first start out, you don't really mm-hmm. think about where yourself, you know, where you are within your career. But um, I've been in academia now almost 14 years, and I've been a pharmacist for, oh, goodness, 17. So it's it's crazy how like the time just passes. But one of the things I just wanted to, you know, to touch on that you said that I feel like is really poignant is, is this thought process that, you know, in spite of the fact that we have so many women within the workforce, we're still seeing so few women um, being placed in leadership positions. And one of the things that I feel like Um, often happens is that there's this thought process that, you know, that there's no pipeline, right? And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with these, with a lot of the male leadership, they will groom their successor, right? Or they will, you know, have someone in mind if they, or if they choose to leave that position, or if they're going to go somewhere else. And then also this, this thought process that like women in general, um, because we are inherently nurturers and want things to be, you know, done well and perfect. um, We feel like unless, you know, everything is aligning and and we check all the boxes, we don't feel like we're qualified enough to apply for some of these leadership type positions. And then also I think sometimes structure, the, the institutional structure doesn't lend itself to allowing for uh, female voices to be heard, um, I think in a way that is, um, I think, clear and concise and uh, meant to foster the development of of future female leaders. And so um, I think that that is so, um, you know, just poignant that you bring that up because the more we have this dialogue, the more we talk about, you know, the reasoning maybe behind some of these things, maybe um, we will start seeing, uh, you know, the thought process of, hey, you, you know, I've got, you know, 10 people here. And, and if, you know, six of the 10 are women, you know, why am I always going towards my male counterpart for some of these other other tasks that can, you know, possibly be uh, done just as well and in some instances better. Um, and I think we saw that in particular during the pandemic, right? And so uh, I think institutions that had a lot of female leadership or had female leadership helping with the pandemic, I think you saw a difference and I think you saw them pivoting more easily. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that when you're a mom, you just have to go with the flow, right? And you just have mm-hmm. to learn and you uh, are, are a lot more adaptable, I think. And so I think when you saw some of those institutions and and obviously um, I'm, you know, we're, we'll talk about this in a, a minute about this leadership group that you've started. Um, we, we talked about that, about a lot of these female leaders that were, you know, thrust into this, uh, this role during the pandemic and how they were really nimble and flexible during the pandemic. And that really changed the trajectory of their institutions. Yeah, exactly. And I even did a podcast series on that topic, women leading in a crisis. So um, in December of 2020, there was a Harvard Business Review article that came out about uh, why women were better leaders during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder why. And um, yeah, because you saw a lot of the countries uh, that had female leaders had, you know, lower cases, it was well managed. And, um, you know, there's, uh, you always are going to look to whoever the leader is and see like, how did 
things pan out one way or another. But um, in highlighting several of these these um, hosp- hospital pharmacy leaders that I really focused on, um, one was you know at the chief pharmacy officer at Mount Sinai in New York. I mean, they were in the hot seat of it. And, um, you know, some of the themes that I pulled out from the discussions with them was that, you know, women do tend to be a little more empathetic. And when you're dealing with a crisis, you know, people want to felt, you know, they want to be heard and they want to feel like, um, you have their best interest at heart and, and that little bit more nurturing, um, type of, and so, yeah, we had to, what, let a lot of our, um, teams, the employees were switching from a on-site to virtual space. And, um, so a lot of, you know, risk there and just and change, change management. Um, you know, and the other thing too, is that women, um, tend to be great listeners and great at, uh, and, you know, be, they don't have to be the one with all the answers, right? Like Sue was saying, you know, I had my people that I could go to and that they had a huge team, you know, they, it wasn't, the information was not just kept up at the top senior level. They had, you know, like what are, or, you know, um, Helen was sharing what, you know, getting insight from what people are, are hearing from the front lines. And, um, I think that that was a really great thing, um, Leanne at Yale New Haven had so many great things that, that they had learned. And I love that they're, you know, talking about how do we keep some of those things. And, you know, you had teams that work together all the time, but it was like, they had to get, create more interdisciplinary teams or more teams to kind of, oh, well, you know, supply chain is doing this. And, um, so it was just really fascinating to hear their perspectives and how they were able to to lead, especially through that. So I was excited to to have a chance to talk with them amidst COVID vaccine rollouts and everything. And um, and so uh, their their conversations are available now on the podcast. Fantastic! Yeah. Um, again, I think you know the more that we share, um, not only our successes, but sometimes some of our challenges, I think that really helps to show, you know, that we're all, you know, possibly sometimes fallible. And, and I think we, you know, there was a lot of trial and error. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic and, you know, getting those best practices out there and, and really um, sharing when things went well, I think is super important just to disseminate information um, so that more and more of us can be successful. So I think that's just such a great concept to, to really get everybody together. And, and I love the fact that this has been so much of a, a focus for you in the last kind of year, year and a half. Um, cause as a, obviously a, a female pharmacist, it, it's, it's very nice to see, you know, sort of someone that you, you want to either emulate or, or be part of, I always say, if you can see it, you can be it. And part of, Mm. I think the time that we, we have with some of our, our new pharmacy grads is that, you know, they, they think that there's only two choices when you graduate hospital or community, Mm -hmm. like that's like, that's the thought process, but there are so many things that we can do within pharmacy. And just even the fact that, you know, like your role, which is so unique um, with dispensary of hope and, and how that is really changing, you know, people's lives. You know, we had talked, um, 
you know, several months ago about, you know, getting uh, medications out to rural areas and how that mm -hmm. is, um, you know, being so drastically impacted now and how, you know, sort of this switch to telehealth and telemedicine, um, it's great and you can get access, but then what about what happens when they get prescribed a medication? Like, how do you get that out to them? And, and oftentimes pharmacy is really the, that bridge that, you know, that connection to a healthcare professional that maybe they don't have access to a doctor on a regular basis or a physician on a regular basis. And so, again, I think just striving for, uh, you know, recognition as providers and, you know, really uh, looking at some of those legislative efforts, um, you know, at APHA, which I know you're very heavily involved in, um, really looking at this pandemic as, as a gift uh, because you've seen how much the federal government has relied on pharmacists for not only vaccinations, but for testing at the beginning of the pandemic and how um, I think a lot of how far we've come as a country would not have been possible without uh, the implementation and the uh, activation of pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The activation of pharmacy. Yes. Love it. I, we are, we are such an un, uh, you know, untapped resource. We are such an underutilized resource within our healthcare system. And, you know, you, you see all of these reports and I know you, you read lots of, you know, journals and things about, you know, the physician shortage. Why, mm -hmm. why are we not utilizing what we have better before we go off and try to, you know, increase more of a single profession? Why are we not doing things more as a team? You know, I think that that really is something, especially within public health, right? So my background um, of being embedded in a county health department for a decade, you know, that's everything that we did was as a team, you know, a majority of the clinical services were run by nurses, but so much of what public health does because of communicable disease management is medication intensive. And so it just was so like mind blowing to me that not every you know, health department in the country doesn't have their own pharmacist, mm -hmm. not to mention a pharmacist in every department, right? So, right. you know, those kinds of things, it's just, it's been really eye-opening. And then now, um, you know, I kind of tease and I say, you know, I was doing public health before public health was cool, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Dr. Fauci kind of uh, came out and everybody's like, oh, public health. And it's like, really the, the thought process in my mind is public health works best when you know when you don't know we're here because that means we've done our job right we we are helping to make sure that there's clean water clean air um the food supply is um you know not tampered with uh you know that there's streets that are paved and pedestrians can walk on sidewalks and people aren't injured and you know disaster preparedness so we respond to pandemics we respond to you know, biological threats, we're able to do mass vaccination, um, you know, distribution. That's when public health works the best is when we're not scrambling because something went wrong with the system. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But in spite of that, pharmacists, I feel like have really prevailed. Absolutely. I think that, you know, pharmacists, um, 
we've got a lot of momentum and, um, you know, we've got a lot of heroes. Uh, we were struggling, you know, we've, we've always struggled with our image, uh, for a while. Right. Because what do people think of when they think, when they hear the, you know, Oh, you're a pharmacist. And they're like, where do you work? And immediately they're thinking, you know, Walgreens or CVS. Um, and so, um, flipping the script or, you know, changing up what that looks like. And I think, you know, there've been so many articles like pharmacists are the unsung heroes, et cetera. So we've really got to capitalize on this. And, and I hope that all of the, um, associations can kind of come together in a unified voice and, um, really help to make a difference. Uh, cause I think that that's also been another challenge is that, We've had so many different, um, you know, initiatives and things, and we just kind of need to come behind this unified voice. And it's all been um, behind provider status. And, you know, um, hopefully we we can get to that. But um, I think, you know, if we can just continue to, to make um, to make a difference on the teams, um, and, and help to build those links between, you know, the champion physician champions, nurse champions, et cetera. Um, but we've got gone a long way, I think, in terms of public, uh, perception and opinion, uh, in this past year. I agree. And sort of looking at it from the perspective of not where do you work, but who do you serve? right? What patient population do you serve? Who are you helping? Right? Like I would, I would love for somebody to ask me that question, right? So, oh, you're a pharmacist, you know, who, who are your patients? Who do you serve? Right? Mm -hmm. Versus where do you work or what pharmacy do you work at? Because I mean, let's be honest, there, there are, there are pharmacists, obviously, most of us at some point had to work in a pharmacy. But I would say that that was, you know, a very small portion of my own personal career. And I've, um, you know, really just done direct patient care for, you know, a majority of my career. And so it's always strange to me when people ask me what pharmacy I work at, because I, I can't tell you because I don't work at a pharmacy, right? And exactly. so looking at that perspective, which I think is also part of why, you know, during the pandemic, you know, gifts of, gifts of COVID, which my, my colleague, uh, Sue Paul always says, uh, was, you know, being able to be in the public space, um, and being forward facing doing media interviews. Right. So I think that that also, I think, um, your colleague that you mentioned, um, that was at Cedar sinai I believe she did quite a few interviews, um, during the pandemic as well, and just showing pharmacists, in a different light, right? So mm -hmm. uh, being the spokesperson, being out front, you know, coming in and talking about what the health system is doing. And, and because so much of what was going on related to the pandemic had to do with medication and therapeutics, it really was appropriate for pharmacists to be forward facing and to be the face of that health system because we were the ones who knew, right? We were the ones who knew what the latest and greatest was for how to treat patients. We were the ones that were, you know, um, on the floors, helping with the medication management, helping with the codes, you know, ER pharmacists and, you know, critical care pharmacists, just they they were it right and then it kind of switched you know in December and then it was 
now ambulatory care pharmacists and the community pharmacists that the focus was. And it's not that I think that the critical care pharmacists and the ER pharmacists aren't still heavily involved. It's just the way that the, um, the language and how the media decided to talk about the pandemic changed. And so again, crafting that narrative and being the ones to craft the narrative versus them crafting it about us, I think is really important. And as much as it may sound like fluff, um, we really do need a PR makeover as a, as a profession, mm-hmm. right? Like we need that unified voice that physicians have, right? You said this earlier about all of yeah. our pharmacy organizations coming together and having a unified voice and a unified message. And I think that comes from that standpoint of who who is representing us as a profession. And if you've got six different people and every time, you know, somebody goes um, to ask a pharmacist, they don't know what pharmacist they're getting, that consistency really is a detriment, I think, to us. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, every time you have a pharmacist, you should get the same product every time, right? We're all educated. We all have PharmDs. Some of us have different specialty training, but you should get a consistent presence and really a presence that can mold and change to what the needs are of the patients. Uh, And so again, I think we, we need to do a better job of highlighting those, uh, you know, those pharmacy champions, uh, basically what you're doing, but you're doing this through the lens of, of female leadership, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Yep. We do. We, we definitely have, um, uh, you know, an image to, to shape and, um, but you know, as pharmacists, we're, we've got to be doing that at the community level. And so, you know, it sounds intimidating, you know, cause a lot of people are going to say, Oh my gosh, I couldn't go be on TV or I don't want to be interviewed by the newspaper or I don't want to be, but you know, you can make a difference in your community because pharmacists are usually, you know, see what we top out on, um, most trusted professions. Right. And so, um, you're seen as a leader in your community. And I think that, uh, as long as we're doing that and, you know, kind of, um, making those, those differences in our sphere of influence. I think that that's, you know, a great way that any listener can kind of, um, be a great ambassador for the profession, um, no matter where they are. But I think that it's also important, of course, to have, um, you know, yeah, to, to go and and speak up because, what do, what do they always say about healthcare workers? Well, you got your doctors and your nurses and pharmacists are so often left out and yet we play such an important role. So it's like, I would love to have um, like us lock in, you know, joined in arms with the physicians and the nurses um, and just kind of like represent as like a band of, you know, a unified team. And uh, cause we're, yeah, I mean, we're all in it um, to, and, you know, help the patients. So I, you know, that's what I would, would love and envision in the future. And I think you're starting to see some of that. Um, you know, I, I see, I, I watch these COVID-19 task force meetings that they, you know, the press conferences that they have with the CDC. And oftentimes they will 
you know, they, they will mention pharmacists and I, and I think it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, you know, the more that we're, you know, that we're stated as part of, you know, who can you go and get your vaccine from who, who are you, who do you like, know, and trust? And, and that oftentimes is, is, is now being stated as the pharmacist. And so I think when we have our elected officials, when we have our, you know, our, our leaders, uh, talking about the impacts that pharmacy and pharmacists are making, that also helps public perception as well. The more we can get spoken about within that space, uh, the more I think um, the community will start relying on us as well. And so um, with that being said, um, I do wanna obviously be mindful of your time because I know you're very busy. (laughs) Um, especially as a new mom. Um, I, I did want to just ask maybe one more question to finish up. So uh, obviously your leadership journey has um, been, uh, you know, just extraordinary and you've been able to make such an impact in the last few years, um, not only for your patients, but for other female leaders. Uh, is there something that uh, we uh, should know about you that maybe no one knows, but we should? Oh, Any little tidbit <laughs> that we that we should know about you that maybe is sort of the unknown that is something that we could take away as a little pearl of wisdom, something that helps um, get you through your through your journeys and 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 is an inspiration for all you do. Yeah. Well, you know, I love that question. Um, and so, um, yeah, well, I think, well, I had one answer and then you said as an inspiration for all you do. And I was like, gosh, well, I've got to take it back to like my faith. And I think that, you know, growing up, um, as a Christian is, is important. And that's, and, you know, my parents, um, shape those values. And I think that, you know, how your family, um, shapes your values. Um, you know, your school, you know, I went to a, um, school, um, a private Christian school, you know, kindergarten through high school. And I think that those formative, you know, being, you know, my church was, was an important part of my life. Um, so I think that those values and like our high school's motto was excellence with all your heart. And so I think I've always tried to pursue that excellence and whether that was, you know, academically, um, physically, um, you know, I played all kinds of sports growing up. Um, the great thing about growing up in a small town is that if you're an athlete, you, can kind of be an athlete in all the sports. Um, so, you know, I played, um, soccer and basketball and, you know, cheered and ran track and, you know, all of those. And I think that that being a team sport, um, has been so important in my mindset. Um, but also instill it instilled so many great lessons, um, perseverance and determination and work ethic, Um, and I think that, you know, it, and then also it taught me to be a lifelong, um, athlete and, you know, even today, my husband and I love doing five K's or triathlons in the summer. Um, and so physical fitness has always been a really important part of my life. 
Um, you know, the other thing I think that's important too, is that, you know, you can't just, or, you know, I've always tried to be really well-rounded. So, um, you know, having a, I love my career and now I've got a new found invigoration for family, you know, becoming a mom, um, has just even, you know, expanded my heart and, you know, joy there. Um, but you know, it's important to have, you know, lots of different, um, components of your life to be well-rounded. And, you know, they talk about, you know, financially and all the different, you know, like seven different aspects or things and like have your bucket full or have goals for each of those. Um, but another important thing, you know, in addition to like, you know, being involved in the community and, you know, spending time with friends and family is that we really love to travel. So we love, um, travel and, um, you know, one of the ways that we were able to, to do that as newlyweds without having to take out money from our, um, budget was that we Airbnb our house. Now I had a love hate relationship with that. And, you know, now of course we've got a baby <laughs> now we've got a baby. And so I'm like, no, nope, not doing it anymore. And like, it kind of was like perfect timing with COVID, but yeah, we would, um, we live right near Vanderbilt in Nashville and, we could Airbnb our home. And, um, so basically we had, you know, we were using that to go to Greece or to, you know, Thailand or to, um, you know, gosh, where else have we been? Cuba, um, Costa Rica, you know, we, we, and it's just so exciting to see how, um, different parts of the world and, um, and then just to relax too. So I think that, expanding your horizons and seeing how other people, um, live just, you know, I mean, gosh, and then you come back home and you're like, wow, I'm so grateful to be here. And for all the gifts that I've been given and blessed, um, to be in the U S and, uh, to have our family, but it is, it's such a fun thing to, travel and to experience. And, you know, the other thing we, we realize how similar you are to others. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, man, that was a good question. It's kind of fun to reflect on that. Yeah. So you, you just shared a, a, a ton of little nuggets of gold with us, right? So, uh, yeah. you, you are, you know, you lead with your faith, which I think is amazing. Um, you know, talking about the fact that you're a Christian, we just found out if, I don't know if many people knew that you grew up in a small town, that you are an avid, um, sports person and that you love to travel. I mean, I think all of those things shape us and shape what we do. Um, mm -hmm. it's also something that I did, um, before I had, um, my kids as well. I used to travel all over with a girlfriend of mine. Actually, we, we went, um, we went to Europe, we went to Asia, um, we went to Mexico, uh, we went to mm -hmm. Canada, we went all over the place. And so yeah. having that like kind of travel buddy and having that ability to have an escape, I think is really, um, it really does help you have a, a better appreciation for the things that you have. And then also, um, I think you're very similar to me that you, you know, 
you, your why for what you do is based on your love for service, right? Service to others, service to the mm-hmm. profession. Um, that's really my why. And that's, you know, kind of how I, I operated during the pandemic because, you know, at one point I had no idea where we were going, right? Like it was just, there was so much that was unknown, so much that was up in the air and there just didn't really seem like there was much of an end in sight. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, then the, the vaccines came and there was light at the end of the tunnel. And so, um, you know, here I, you know, we both live in tourist destinations. Oh, <laughs> I live yeah. in Las Vegas, you live in, you know, right by yeah. Vanderbilt. And so, it's been amazing to see like the city opening up again and people um, having joy and, you know, feeling like they can be out around people. And it was that loss of connection, right? So even Mm -hmm. though we could speak to people, right, through virtual means like you and I are now, it just really wasn't the same. And we really lost that sense of connection with each other and really wanting to um, help each other, I think as well. So that distance, the physical distance that we had to keep, I think really did um, impair um, some of that human connection that we really do need to, um, to really do, do good things for one another, you know, and, and it was, it was challenging, especially for me, I'm, I'm a serial hugger. um, And so it was just really hard for me for a long time to not be able to hug people and, uh, you know, handshaking and all of those things, you know, all of the, those little cues that, you know, kind of helped you to feel connected. Um, And so I'm glad and I'm thankful that those things are coming back. And I am thrilled um, that, you know, we're going to hopefully start to get more out there and, and uh, get to go to professional meetings again and see one another and, and networking. And I will say power of networking, right? So like, I, I think I initially contacted you through LinkedIn um, and, Man, I mean, that's like a whirlwind. I feel like that's been what almost a year now. Um, yeah, I've been on the podcast. I'm in the book, like yeah. all kinds of things. So uh, I would say, um, for anyone who is listening, uh, if you know someone that you admire, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to them, talk to them, ask them how they do what they do, because. You, most of the time they will connect with you and you have no idea what that relationship will, what fruit that might bear. And so I would just highly recommend, you know, the power of connection and the power of just reaching out and telling people, you know, if you see something that they're doing that you think that they're doing amazing things, tell them because a lot of times they'll put these things out there, especially with social media and they don't know, they don't know if it's resonating. They don't know if it's Mm -hmm. making so comment, comment, say yeah. things. It's, it's so go. appreciated because, yeah, you feel like yeah. sometimes you're in a black hole. And then speaking to the connection, yeah, so um, I did want to create a place for women, um, like-minded women who are interested in leadership to be able to connect. Like we've got LinkedIn, you've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram. And, um, you know, I wanted to have kind of a dedicated place for um, leadership. And I, I did find an online plat platform for that. And, it, um, it, you know, I think if you just kind of search women in pharmacy leadership league, um, there is a website, it's on mighty networks, or you can download the mighty networks app and just search for the com- you know, community women in pharmacy leadership league. 
I've also got it posted on my LinkedIn or, you know, other things, but, um, yeah, they've got like great kind of topics or you can do live events like we did recently, um, and talked about the, the women leading through crisis. And, um, so yes, I could not agree more. I think networking is something that, um, is a little intimidating, but you just have to keep putting yourself out there and yeah, great things will come of it. So I appreciate, you know, having the chance to connect and always such fun getting to talk with you, Christina. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's nice when you see someone who has, you know, similar passions and similar um, goals. And it's just really nice to be able to connect with someone who is truly making a difference and is doing it in such a way that um, it makes others inspired to do the same. So thank you so much again for your time today, Hillary. And I will definitely put ways to connect with you uh, in the show notes. But if people want to find you, where can they find you? Yeah. Well, you can find the podcast, um, on any, you know, podcast channels that obviously you're listening to this one. So, um, you can check out the talk to your pharmacist podcast, um, at talk to your pharmacist on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then of course, LinkedIn is another way. Um, so yeah, awesome. Look forward to connecting. Fantastic. Thank you again. Thank you. Time is our most precious asset, and we thank you for spending your time with us and Dr. Madison, the public health pharmacist. Learn more at thepublichealthpharmacist.com.